Hello, I'm Kate and today we're continuing a series through December that Chloe and I are putting together um, and it's based on Tim Keller's book Hidden Christmas and uh, it's, it's a really fantastic book um, written by a very insightful man so we really uh, recommend it to you. And today I'm going to be talking about the courage of Christmas and then Chloe will be concluding our series on Christmas Eve. And a courage may not be something you associate with Christmas unless you think of going to the shops on uh, Christmas Eve, uh, going to the supermarket, you know, with hordes of other people who are all trying to buy exactly the same ingredients. Um, or perhaps you might think of it being um, tackling that third helping of Christmas pudding, Miles Simmons, um, or trying to get past your wife with it. I'm not sure. Um, but no, today I'm talking about far greater acts of courage. And the Christmas story has courage written all over it in so many ways. So here's our passage from Luke chapter 1, which will appear on the screen. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings. You who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So we can't talk about Christmas and courage without talking about Mary. And unless you've personally had um, an angelic encounter, um, we can only imagine a situation where an angel appears to Mary and says to her, you're going to have a baby um, who's, who's God, who's actually God, you know, and he's going to have a kingdom, he's going to reign forever. Like, it would be hard to know how to react, wouldn't it? Would it be... Yay! 
Would it be, yikes? Would it be, really? You know, uh, I, I don't know. But here's a few thoughts from Tim Keller on her response. He says that she wondered, and that is the same Greek word as to make an audit. It's like an accounting word, you know, to uh, add up, to, to weigh it, to ponder it. It's um, a very rational kind of response. And I find this really interesting because she is a teenager. She's very young. She's not freaking out. She's not saying that's ridiculous. She's not saying no way. Um, she's open. She asks a very practical question, how will this be since I am a virgin? And, you know, faith is often a journey that requires openness. You know, Tim Keller says there's the kind of doubt that is the sign of a closed mind and there's the kind of doubt that is the sign of an open mind. Some doubt seeks answers, but some doubt is a defence against the possibility of answers. It's just closed. But she is open and she shows courage to accept the assignment. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She's not saying, I'm so excited about this. It's more, I'm proceeding with trepidation, but I trust you and I believe you. So she's willing to trust God, even though this is completely uncharted territory. It, it's never happened before or since, has it? it this is a one-off in history. Her faith is growing, and I guess faith can't grow unless you're willing to keep moving forward in it and keep taking next steps. And I want to ask you, has God spoken to you about anything? Has he asked you or challenged you to do something? Has he put something on your heart to do for him? Has he asked you to step into your own uncharted territory, to go places, physical or spiritual, that you've never been before? So how are you going with that? Is this something that you've written in a notebook and, and it's got a kind of, oh, remember when God said to me, you know, kind of nostalgia about it? Or are you actively pursuing it? taking steps towards it because did God give it to you for the notebook or did he give it to you to take hold of it and and live it out and step into it so I'll leave you with that to think about but with Mary think about her courage to take the risk the angel is saying to her you're going to be an unmarried mother and how many people seriously are going to believe that the father is God in that society, such women, you know, could be stoned to death. You'll remember the story in the Bible where um, there's a woman caught in adultery and she's brought out to be stoned. Interestingly, it doesn't say where the other person was that she was caught with, but it's just her. Um, and Jesus is there drawing in the dirt with his finger and he says, let whoever of you is without sin cast the first stone. He's saying, you're, you're, you're all guilty. You, you're um, None of you is more innocent than this woman. But he shows her grace. But for Mary, there was a huge risk of losing her life. You know, why do you think um, Joseph, he knew the baby wasn't his, and he says uh, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly, to, to call off the engagement, presumably so that she wouldn't suffer such a fate. It, it's life or death courage. 
You know, maybe it's like when Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac on the altar, and he, uh, the Bible says that he reasoned that God could raise him from the dead. And maybe Mary thought, if God wants to give me a son who is God, you know, maybe he um, is going to keep him and me safe. I don't know. Either way, Mary believes God and she trusts him. But it seems like it's only when Mary meets Elizabeth and the Holy Spirit confirms to Elizabeth, oh, that's what, this is what's happening, that Mary then responds in wonder. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. He has done great things for me. So Elizabeth's faith emboldens Mary's courage. And what this says to me is that we need each other, church, don't we? It's like the Bible says to us in so many places, spur each other onto good deeds, encourage one another. We're told there's a great cloud of witnesses, you know, cheering us on as we run our race. Everyone needs encouragement. If you haven't got much money to buy gifts this year, but you want to bless people, write them an encouraging note. It really will mean so much. Let's take every opportunity to build each other up so that we'll step out in faith when God prompts us to do things. Now let's take a look at the courage of Joseph. So when Joseph realized his fiancée was pregnant and the baby wasn't his, he was going to call it off, but then an angel comes to reassure him that this was the plan of God. And it took courage and faith for him to continue with the marriage, knowing that they would always be known as that couple, you know, with the dodgy dates. How many months was it after the wedding that the baby arrived? You know, Tim Keller says they're always going to be second-class citizens. So the message is, if Jesus comes into your life, you're going to kiss your stellar reputation goodbye. It's hard to see what Joseph got out of this situation, really, except the opportunity to be a faithful servant. You know, he not only needs courage to be rejected by society, but he also um, has to give up his rights of naming the child. You know, God says this, this child will be called Jesus. And in Jewish culture, it was the father's right to name his children. So these rights would be a, a big part of his identity as a Jewish man. But it takes a real man, you know, a bigger person to see the bigger picture, to humble yourself and just see that you are a part of God's plan and you're just going to need to not care what other people think about it. And then Mary and Joseph needed a different kind of courage when they realized that their very lives were in danger and they needed to flee to another country. It's just incredible what they went through and all by faith. And now... Let's look at the courage of Jesus. Now, it's an incredible thing to say, our God is a God who would need courage. Like, why does God need courage? You know, a God who is out there far off reigning in omnipotence doesn't need courage. Only a God who's willing to come near and become like us does. Only a God who's willing to empty himself of his glory and become like those made in his image does. Courage for the author to become a character in his own story, to take on the confines of time and space and limited knowledge and dependency on and total obedience to his father. Jesus did all these things in his humanity. You know, he ate, he worked for a living, he got tired, he knew grief. 
Not only that, but to suffer the humiliation and the ridicule of those he had created to go to the cross and take the sin of the world. His suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane was, was real. You know, he asked the Father, is there any other way than this one? And when Mary was faced with her assignment, she said, may your word to me be fulfilled. In older translations, it says, be it unto me according to thy word. That's not a million miles, is it, from not my will, but your will. Tim Keller says that Jesus knew his obedience to the Father would be a plunge into infinite, unfathomable darkness unlike anyone has ever known. Yes, he needed courage to face that. But our encouragement, though, is that we have a God of courage. We have a God who knows what it's like to face something they don't really want to go through, who can identify with us in every way, and someone who we can identify with in every way. But we have to ask why he needed to come. Which brings us to us. We need courage in this story too. Tim Keller says we need courage in three ways, and the first way is to admit you are a sinner. On a land of deep darkness, a light has come. It has come from outside, that means the world is a dark place that needs a saviour. And if you don't see that, please just flick through your phone and look at the news. The world is a dark place. And to find the saviour, we need to admit that we need him. Tim Keller says, are you willing to say, I am a moral failure? I don't love God with all my heart, soul, strength and mind. I don't love my neighbour as myself. And therefore I am guilty and I need forgiveness and pardon before I need anything else. It takes enormous courage to admit these things because it means throwing your old self-image out and getting a new one with Jesus. And yet that is the foundation for all the other things that Jesus can bring into your life, all the comfort, all the hope, all the joyful humility and everything else. And if we will have the courage to admit that we need him, we need to drop our conditions. If he is God and we are not, then we need to forget about, I will follow you if. Because that's not obedience, and without that, he's not Lord of our lives. And if we have the courage to admit that we need him and the courage to drop our conditions, we also need the courage to be willing to take the world's disdain. Keller says, there is as yet little persecution of Christians in the Western world, but there is increasingly ridicule and contempt for those holding to historical Christian beliefs. All this takes courage to face. We are different. You're probably familiar with Bible verses that say things like, be in the world but not of the world. Or we're alien and, aliens and strangers here. We're citizens of heaven. We're people who literally belong to another world. And if you're watching this and you're not Christian, I'm not saying we're aliens from out of outer space. We're, we're just people that have sworn allegiance to another king, if you like, uh, to another value system. And uh, a couple of days ago, Miles and I had an incredible situation, a conversation with our son, and he wanted to um, buy a video game that some of his friends were buying. And uh, we said we were open to it, but that we would check it out. So we all sat down together to read the reviews and the content, see what was in it. Um, and we, when we read some of the things um, 
in it, Matthew was like, okay, I didn't know that was in it. Um, and then we read this. This video game is primarily intended for a desensitized audience. The goal of this game is to stage subversive content. Okay, the goal of the game is to stage subversive content, raw violence, very suggestive content, raw humor, gambling, drugs. At this point, Matthew himself said, okay, we're not getting the game. And he also said, I am not going to be manipulated like that. So fortunate for us, that was um, a parenting situation that could have required more discussion, um, but our son made his own decision not to pursue it. But the reality is that we live in a culture that wants to desensitize teenagers to violence. Like, how did we get there? We have to make constant choices, you know, to be in the world, but not of it, and that does take courage. We need to raise our teenagers, our kids, and we ourselves need to be secure enough and resilient enough and have enough peace, you know, to be willing to be different and to make different choices than our non-Christian friends. It takes courage. We said to Matthew, we're having this conversation with you when you're 17. By the time you have kids, you might be having this conversation with them when they're seven. You know, it, it's only going to become more challenging. And to stand up for our faith is only going to become more challenging. Let's face it, the world will find some of our views increasingly old-fashioned, but hopefully love and grace and peace and kindness will never get old. And let us remember the angel's response to Mary when she asks, how can this be? And the angel says to her, no word from God will ever fail. In other words, nothing is impossible for God. Take courage that God may ask you to do challenging things. He may have already put things in your heart. Have the courage to pursue them. Have the courage to stand up for your faith. You know, to have a different culture other than the world's. And have courage and be encouraged that no word from God will ever fail, and with God, nothing is impossible. It's not just Christmas that takes courage, but a life of faith. You know, 2020 has tested us. But thankfully, this Christmas and beyond, our Lord Emmanuel is with us every step of the way. My friend Stuart Townend wrote a song called Courage. I'll leave you with his words. Worry seems to know my every move. With every new imagining, he whispers in my ear. Even when I've nothing left to prove, he's painting possibilities of failure and despair. So God, I'll stand with open hands and hearts just fixed on following. I'll keep my eyes on this day's prize of finding you in everything. Courage to take one step at a time. Today is my gift, not tomorrow. Courage to walk with Christ in my sight, the path strewn with laughter and sorrow. It's not always easy to follow God. It takes courage and it takes strength. Um, but God gives us faith and he strengthens us. One of my fav favorite verses is um, 2 Chronicles 16.9, which says, The eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him.
Strengthen us, Lord. Let's just pray together. Lord, for those of us that you've put dreams in our hearts that we haven't seen fulfilled yet, give us courage to pursue, to press on, to take hold, to step out in faith. Give us courage against the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what other people think. But instead, help us to know that you're always faithful, always with us, always for us always pleased by our faith. Let us find favour with you, Lord, as Mary did. Let us be ones who you are pleased to use for your purposes, for that is the desire of our hearts. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Merry Christmas. <laughs>